98K News. Good afternoon. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. The search continues for two crew members missing since yesterday's oil tanker fire. The retrial of a doctor accused of manslaughter at a beauty clinic will be further delayed. And a transport monitoring group urges the government to consider widening the scope of its fair subsidy scheme. The fire services department has sent a team of six officers on board an oil tanker that caught fire yesterday to search for two missing crew. One person died and four were injured in an explosion that occurred as crew were connecting pipes for refuelling near Lama Island. The ship, Orlak Fortune, is registered in Vietnam and was going from Dongun to Thailand when it stopped off at Lama to refuel. A massive hole can be seen on the deck of the 144-metre ship, which is listing at 30 degrees. The retrial of a doctor accused of manslaughter at a beauty clinic will be further delayed after the High Court gave permission for the doctor to argue a point of law at the city's top court. Here's Candice Wong. Dr. Mark Wenling was working at a clinic under the DR Group and was accused of causing the death of a client after performing a blood transfusion procedure in 2012. A jury failed to reach a majority verdict against her a year ago and the court ordered the case to be retried. The retrial was delayed by legal debates over the definition of manslaughter by gross negligence. Now there's to be a further delay after the High Court allowed the debate to be brought to the Court of final appeal. In granting the appeal, a three-judge panel said a further delay was particularly unfortunate given the death took place over six years ago, but it said the issue was a matter of obvious importance. Transport Monitoring Group says the government should consider widening the scope and amount of its fare subsidy scheme following yesterday's approval for Citybus and New World First Bus to hike fares for the first time in 10 years. Richard Choi from the Coalition to Monitor Public Transport and Utilities expressed alarm at the government's comment that more bus fare rises could take place very soon. He said the recent train fare increase of 3% along with bus fare hikes diluted the effect of the government's subsidy. The government need to think of whether they need to further inject more funds so as to broaden the scope and also the amount of subsidy for this transport subsidy scheme so as to minimize the impact of the fare increase. Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Secretary Patrick Nip says the government can only restart the political reform process after society reaches a consensus on Beijing's, Beijing's 831 framework. The framework would have allowed the central government to screen out chief executive election candidates and trigger the 79-day Occupy movement. The minister says that restarting political reform rashly would only divide society and the government has been working hard to build consensus within society. He spoke through an interpreter. Such decision was legally sound and it is also important to have to a common legal basis before we restart discussions. If we are to restart constitutional reform or further promote its development, this is a starting point. If we cannot even reach a consensus on this fundamental legal basis, I don't see how we are in a position to further our reform proposal. Democratic Party lawmaker James Toh has urged the central government to think again whether it would be good for Hong Kong and the country if it fails to show the world that one country, two systems is a success. 
His comments come after a Wall Street Journal report claimed mainland officials had offered to bug the homes and offices of foreign journalists in Hong Kong investigating the scandal-hit Malaysian state fund 1MDB to find out their sources. Mr To says if the mainland did make the offer, they should think again whether this would leave Hong Kong's one country, two systems and its reputation as a free city unscathed. If it is an official conduct, official act or act of state, I urge the central government to review its decision and to take into account the interests of one country, two systems, especially when under the current regime of the relationship with Taiwan. Hong Kong and Japan has struck a deal over dispute settlement in international commerce. In January, the Department of Justice set up an office directly under the Secretary for Justice, Theresa Cheng, to coordinate mediation and arbitration, so as to capitalise on opportunities under the Belt and Road and Greater Bay Area initiatives. Ms Cheng spoke of the benefits at the signing ceremony. It is one of the key policy objectives to position Hong Kong as an ideal hub for deal-making, dispute resolution and capacity building in the Asia-Pacific region, taking into account the need for Hong Kong to capitalize on the opportunities offered by the Belt and Road Initiative and the Greater Bay Area Plan. The Inclusive Dispute Avoidance and Resolution Office was set up this January The Japanese Minister of Justice Takashi Yamashita says the signing of the memorandum with Hong Kong marks a big step towards a peaceful and global society. He praised Hong Kong for its reputation as an international hub for international commercial dispute resolution. Hong Kong has established the firm reputation and top reputation as international great hub of international commercial dispute resolution. Due to the universal nature of the rule of law, we must work together internationally to promote the rule of law if we are able to achieve peaceful and fair global society. The signing with the DOJ is significant for the promotion of justice affairs diplomacy The former head of the Hong Kong Catholic Church, Cardinal Joseph Sen, says Cardinal John Tong, who's already retired, has no chance of becoming its next leader. He said Cardinal Tong was appointed to take charge of the church during the interim period, given his neutral capacity. In a church publication, Cardinal Zen said the appointment was to avoid future embarrassment because Bishop Joseph Ha may become a candidate to run for the top job. Bishop Ha took over the church for a few days following the death of Bishop Michael Yearn. In a primetime address on U.S. television, President Trump has urged the Democrats to agree to fund the construction of a wall along the border with Mexico. The dispute with Congress over Mr. Trump's demand for more than $5 billion U.S. dollars for the wall has led to a partial shutdown of government departments that's lasted for 18 days. Mr. Trump said the matter could be solved very quickly if his political opponents found the will to do so. He roundly blamed them for the impasse. The federal government remains shut down. For one reason, and one reason only, because Democrats will not fund border security. My administration is doing everything in our power to help those impacted by the situation. But the only solution is for Democrats to pass a spending bill that defends our borders and reopens the government. This situation could be solved in a 45-minute meeting.
In response, the Democratic Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, said Mr Trump was trying to force taxpayers to fund an expensive wall that he promised Mexico would pay for. The fact is, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They are a humanitarian challenge, a challenge that President Trump's own cruel and counterproductive policies have only deepened. And the fact is, President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis, and must reopen the government. Rachel Abraham, an airport security officer, is one of hundreds of thousands of federal employees working without pay. I feel helpless. I go to work every day. I do the very best I can at my job. But it really feels that a federal worker is not really appreciated because if we were more appreciated, then this whole situation wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be held hostage for whatever anybody wants. We would be paid. The lower house of the Indian parliament has passed a controversial bill to give citizenship to persecuted religious minorities from neighbouring Muslim-majority countries. The interior minister said these people had no place to go except India. With more, here's the BBC's Anbarasan Etirajan. If approved by India's upper house, the act will enable Hindus, Sikhs, Buddhists and other minorities from Afghanistan, Pakistan and Bangladesh who came to India before the end of 2014 to become residents. But the list excludes Muslims, leading to accusations that the Hindu nationalist BJP government is biased against them. Several organizations in northeastern India have called for a day-long shutdown in protest against the citizenship bill. Residents in the state of Assam have for years complained that Millions of immigrants from Bangladesh, including Hindus, have put a big strain on the region's resources. Indigenous groups from the state accuse settlers from elsewhere of taking away jobs and lands. The Australian MP Pauline Hanson, best known for her anti-immigration policies, has turned her attention to ridding the country of cane toads. She's written to the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, asking him to fund a three-month programme during which the government will pay members of the public a small bounty for every cane toad they kill. From Sydney, the BBC's Phil Mercer takes up the story. Pauline Hanson has called for Muslim immigration into Australia to be banned, but now has her sights set on cane toads. She wants the government to pay the public seven cents for each of these warty invaders they catch and kill. There could be as many as 200 million cane toads in Australia. They're one of the country's most destructive pests and were introduced from Hawaii in 1935 in a disastrous experiment to control beetles that were eating sugarcane. All efforts to stop their spread have failed. One of France's most flamboyant hoteliers, Jeanne Augier, has died at the age of 95, bringing to a close an era of glitz and glamour on the Riviera. Jeanne Augier had run the Pink Dome Negresco Hotel on the Promenade des Anglais in Nice for more than 60 years. The BBC's Charles Haviland looks back at her life. The Negresco Hotel describes itself as flamboyant served on a tray. The same could almost be said of its owner, Jeanne Augier, who once told Bill Gates he was not rich enough to buy the hotel from her. With auburn hair and bright red lipstick, and perpetually surrounded by the dogs she loved, she welcomed guests, including the Beatles and the Sultan of Brunei, through the doors of the pink-domed palace on the Nice seafront. Jeanne Augier devoted her life to the hotel, and today its flags are at half-mast. 
To finance news, a short while ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 26,515. That's up 639 points on the previous close. Market turnover was $64.3 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 108.9 yen, the euro standing at 1 US dollar and 14 cents, and the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 98 cents. And now with the sports news, here's Adam Chung. First to football and the English League Cup semi-final first leg between Spurs and Chelsea. VAR has ruled that Tottenham Hotspur have a penalty. And it's Harry Kane who was appended by the Chelsea goalkeeper who has an opportunity to put Tottenham Hotspur ahead. Kane waits, runs up now and buries the ball into the bottom left-hand corner. A first-half penalty from Harry Kane gave Tottenham a 1-0 win against Chelsea in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final at Wembley. The penalty was awarded after the video assistant referee was consulted for a foul on Kane. The former Tottenham midfielder Jermaine Janis says it was a result that Spurs had to work for. It just caught up with Spurs a little bit today, but they showed the other side to the game. They dug deep, they hung on against good players, against a good team, and they got a clean sheet. Next to the AFC Asian Cup, where Ali Atnan scored an injury-time free kick to give Iraq a wild 3-2 win over Vietnam. Their Group D match in Abu Dhabi went back and forth. Vietnam led twice, the first thanks to an own goal. Iraq got even both times before Adnan curled in the dramatic winner on the 91st minute. In the late game, Saudi Arabia crushed North Korea 4-0 in Dubai. Japan opened their campaign tonight against Turkmenistan. The three-time Olympic gold medal winning wrestler Saori Yoshida of Japan has announced her retirement from the sport. She finished with a silver medal at the 2016 Rio Olympics, her only loss at the Olympic Games. Her first world title was back in 2002. The BBC's John Collins says Yoshida was one of the greatest athletes the sport has ever seen. 13-time world champion, In that, she had 119 consecutive matches. Now, you're talking about five matches to win one world title. Over a course of 16 years, she did it 13 times. She only had one defeat at the top level. Just an imperious wrestler. She was a big star, and for me, she's the best. To the NBA, where the Toronto Raptors are back in first place after a nervous victory over the lowly Atlanta Hawks. Neither team led by more than five points in a tight fourth quarter. Toronto scored the last six points of the game, including Serge Ibaka's winning basket with 17 seconds remaining. Vince Carter's long three-point attempt fell short as time expired, and the Raptors prevail 104-101, their sixth consecutive win at home. Nikola Jokic recorded his fourth triple double of the season as the Western Conference leading Denver Nuggets got past the Miami Heat 103-99. The Serbian center finished with 29 points, 11 rebounds and 10 assists. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. And to end the news, the top story once again. The search continues for two crew members missing since yesterday's oil tanker fire. And that's the news and sport from RCHK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, RCHK. Yeah.